Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Turkey Hunt's one of my favorite things. And one of the key tools I use for turkey hunting is the Onyx Hunt Map. I use it incessantly when I'm hunting turkeys. Being able to find a new piece of public or gaining permission on private opens up opportunities for gobblers. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you this spring. Use the code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt. You'll find more birds this season. I'm telling you, I rely on Onyx Hunt when I'm hunting turkeys. It is an invaluable turkey hunting tool. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. All right, man. This is the first. Uh, this is the this is the first session we've ever done in Miles City, Montana. I've sat at this table for a few other sessions before, but not just general podcast. General yeah, bull, bullshit. Yep, moving to the big league. Miles City, town of nine thousand, has had nine thousand people living in it for about one hundred years. Just doesn't. It just. It just We're doesn't. Stable it here. just doesn't change. <laughs> man. Stable place. So the uh, we're I, I'm gonna get to who's who, who. That's my older brother Matt's voice. Um, but first, I, there's a order. There's a little bit of business to take care of. Okay, and then the other thing is, I don't know. Is a little bit of a uh discourse on the main negatives of um raising uh, game animals for food. Oh yeah, so here's the main negative. There's aesthetics, right? Which I care about a great deal, but it's hard to. It's like, it's hard to argue someone from the ground up. Aesthetics is hard. It's it's like, it's hard to explain to someone who's asking a pragmatic question. So we'll leave aesthetics in like matters of the heart and spiritual issues aside. Um, disease vectors. We have a lot of problem with moving. Uh, wildlife diseases around wildlife diseases thrive in densely packed populations of animals that are having oftentimes unnatural contact with one another um and the way mad cow disease and other some other things has moved around is between contact from pen raised animals and wild animals um you put a bunch of deer in a farm they all get sick wild deer come up stick their nose through the fence there you have it 
it also raises like some interesting historical questions like you can't just go out and catch a deer okay you can't go out and catch a deer and make it yours but <laughs> at a time that happened you know so um it, it just kind of subverts what i think is makes wildlife beautiful and when you're selling wildlife to people you're sort of taking a set a, a, a an established thing of value and it has value to us because it's wild and you're capitalizing on that value and selling a false version of it that's the aesthetic part yeah yeah i never thought about that but it's very true uh back to mile city so i'm gonna gonna lay a transition on you guys it's gonna blow your mind so be prepared for that but uh mile city um takes its name from a fellow by the name of general miles Miles City sits in Custer County, which takes its name from a fellow named George, Brigadier General George Armstrong Custer. And in Miles City is a place called Fort Keogh, which is a federal livestock and range research laboratory. And Fort Keogh takes its name from a fellow by the name of Miles Keogh. In around the time of our nation's, not around the time, during our nation's, well, about a week ahead of our nation's first centennial in June, late June of 1876, um, general brigadier general, that means he's not a real general. So there was so much attrition of generals during the civil war that they had to give some dudes temporary generalships thinking that they would stock back up the army. I'm talking about would stock back up with real generals and then, you know, the brigadier generals would go back to being whatever they were, colonels. So brigadier general, George Armstrong Custer, who everybody knows has the long That's hair. That's I didn't know. I never knew what, what, that, a, what a brigadier meant. Yeah, temp. it's like, it a, like a, temp a poser term. general. Poser general. General. Uh, Custer, coming out of his Civil War fame, famous also for having long hair, but had just gotten a haircut. Comes out to this area with short hair about you know a week or so prior to the nation's centennial and his task is to be rounding up sioux and northern cheyenne indians who have not come into the reservations yet and everybody knew that they were fixing for a big fight um and indians who were living on reservations were so excited about the upcoming fight that some of them were even leaving reservations for the simple thing to go out and fight soldiers who were there to round up hostiles and bring them into the reservations. Just like now in the war in Afghanistan, we talk about the fighting season because the Taliban doesn't fight in the winter, generally. Um, summer was the fighting season. So Custer comes out to this area, has some uh, Crow scouts, some Arikara scouts who were allied with the whites, with our army. Um, they were lifelong enemies, um, historic enemies with the Sioux in Northern Cheyenne. They find a big encampment of Sioux and Northern Cheyenne, so big that um, turns out it was the largest collection of Plains Indians to have ever occurred, occurred before or after. The scouts found this, and they're like, man, it's way too big. There's no way we can go down in there. Custer didn't, no one knows what he was thinking. Custer rides down in there with a couple hundred of his soldiers, 7th Cavalry, under his command, and uh, they just get slaughtered quick. The Indians later, a lot of them became famous who participated in the battle. Later they said, when we were talking about Custer riding down into our camp after it happened, we all thought the only explanation was that they were all drunk. It made so little sense. 
a guy named Gall, they asked him, how long did the fight take? He says, it took about, a long, about as long as it takes a hungry man to eat his dinner, is how long it took them to wipe out Custer and his 200 soldiers. Then they spent a long time uh, mutilating all the, the carcasses. The next day, when some guys were riding up the valley, they're riding up the Little Bighorn, which the Indians called the Greasy Grass, and they get to the battlefield, and they're assuming that Custer went in there and won. And they look off, and they see all these uh, white and red, bloody kind of things going on. And they thought, it looked to them as though the white, bloody stuff was buffalo carcasses, and the brown patches were buffalo hides. And they thought, oh, Custer caught them in the middle of a buffalo hunt and run them off while they were skinning carcasses. And they ride over there, and what they were looking at, the brown patches were dead horses, and the white bloody patches were stripped human carcasses. And they would do such things as, they would want to make your afterlife miserable. So they would cut your trigger fingers off so you couldn't shoot. They'd gash your thighs so you couldn't run. They'd cut your dick and balls off and stuff it in your mouth. So you, just some cold blood yeah, shit. So you couldn't make love. Um, a woman by the name of or, Big Nose or Kate. eat, really, I mean. Yeah, because there you are every time you go to eat. <laughs> a woman by the name of Big Nose Kate uh, claimed that she took a sewing awl, a northern Cheyenne woman, and, and jabbed it into Custer's ears um, and to, to puncture his eardrums because her father had warned him, do not mess with us. And she thought that he would have better hearing in the afterlife if she were to add an extra perforation into the side of his head. Other historians think that they, could, they didn't know it was Custer. They knew Custer had long hair, but he just had a haircut. Reason I bring all this up. portrayed with long hair. Even. Yeah, but he, went, he rode into that battle with short hair. Remember that, like that uh, uh, root beer stand? Yeah, Custer's last stand. Yeah, over by, where was that? Belgrade or yeah, we saw us talk about stealing, stealing that sign. sign. I think we even went and sussed it out one time, but it was pretty well fixed. Yeah, very well fixed. His sign. Yeah, Custer, yeah, in that he had long hair. In movies, he's always portrayed in long hair. His he cut his hair off, and his wife Libby had a wig made from it. Mm. Um. Point being, there's two bodies that did not get mutilated. One. Uh was buried under a pile of dead horses and they think it just was too much of a hassle to drag them out of there and chop them up. Two, Captain Miles Keough mm. was not mutilated. Hmm. And here's that transition I was telling y'all about. And here's my brother works at, works at Fort Keough. Okay, Fort Keough. Uh, Do you guys ever talk about spectrum? Miles down there? No, we don't talk about any of this stuff ever. It'd be interesting to see how many of my coworkers could even... Um, recite half of the facts that you just recited about the history of Fort Keogh. Um, so, is there any speculation on why yeah. why they didn't mutilate Keogh? Yeah. He um, had some, he was an Irishman, a heavy drinker, and he was wearing some kind of uh, Celtic, I guess some, I'd have to look it back up, but some kind of like Celtic, Christian-y combo type emblem around his neck and it's speculated that like, like it was like an adorned i can't remember some kind of adorned cross or something and it was speculated that he um they didn't recognize that they speculated that he might have been some kind of uh, religious figure is one thing that he might have been that he might have been uh had some uh some medicine 
Yeah. Right. And they didn't, and they didn't mutilate him. Uh, now there was a, so there was a guy, a crow guy named Curly who claimed that he w- witnessed the battle and escaped. Most people believe that, um, he left the night before, mm. got yellow mm. and left the night before gall. The guy that said, uh, how long it took, that it took as long as it takes a hungry man to eat his meal. Um, he later met Curly. And he told Curly, if you're telling me that you escaped after that battle, you must have turned into a bird is the only explanation because <laughs> he was not buying. He said they killed everything, but they messed up because a horse got away. Mm. A horse by the name of Comanche got away with uh, something like nine wounds. Hmm. Um, That's Fort Keel. I just re- learned something interesting about... Uh, was it Brigadier General? Brigadier General George Armstrong. No, no, no. Keel. Was he a, just a... Captain. Re- Captain. Okay. So, you know, if you think about the years between um, the Indian Wars in the West and World War I, like if you think of the years... It starts to bleed together. Oh, man. But it, just like in, the, in my mind, and I suspect it's this way for others, you think of them as being way far apart. But uh, I guess... Captain Keo was instrumental in uh, in General Jack Pershing, um, Black Jack Pershing, uh, making his way through the ranks to become the commanding general in World War One. He was like, "Oh, he's a promising young man." Really? Yeah, because uh, Black Jack Pershing is the guy that tried to go down and catch Pancho Villa. Right. They must have. Um, uh, collaborated on some kind of project, some yep. military projects in the West, and uh, and Keo was a big advocate for for him. Now, if you if you listeners get done with this and you're like, what should I do now? If you want to hear a good song, um, go listen to Tonight We Ride, which is about Black Jack Pershing's pursuit of Pancho Villa, which proved fruitless. Mm. Um, rode down yeah, into Mexico. Yeah, you sent me that song. Yeah, song. rode down into yeah. Mexico into the mountain range known as God's Middle Finger, the uh, Sierra Madre, and couldn't find him. Um, and then Tonight We Ride kind of follows the uh, lives of a number of people who who uh, ride with Pershing and um, don't catch Pancho Villa. Pancho Villa, I don't, he, made, he lived till the 30s. And then was assassinated um, in a car. So, in Mexico? Yes. Oh. So, uh, llamas. How, how, many, how many pack llamas do you own right now? Boy, we just jumped right. We just kind of jumped into this that, whole thing. Because I did a good segue earlier, and then I got just tired of segues. I thought there'd be like a 20-minute, <laughs> like, where we talk about, like, this might as being my first four. Uh, podcast. I was just curious. Like, did these get edited at all? Mm-mm. Mm. Now, there, there's cases in which it would get edited. Like, if, if I said something extremely racist no. or something, yes, that would be edited. Or if you, which I wouldn't, said something that was like way off, and then you said, "Man, 
can you take that out? Like if all of a sudden I realized that... Uh, like if I started talking about how much I didn't like our mother or something like that, you might... No, I would unless you change your mind. But let's say I was... Oh, Mom, I love you. That was just a hypothetical. Yeah, but, but let's say I went and uh, realized that uh, Kath and Keo, in fact, had been mutilated and um, had his junk stuffed into his mouth. <laughs> I would... <laughs> then yeah. I would probably like be yeah. like, oh, man, well, now I got to go edit I'm that I'm glad out. you guys are responsible like that and you try to keep it. What will factual. often happen, too, is uh, sometimes, not often, but now and then we'll have like a person on whose job it is to know something. Oh. And then in in the asking of like a hundred things, he might get they'll get wrong. rattled or whatever, yeah. and and they'll not know something, and then and then be like, dude, please, it's just so embarrassing. Yeah, it's rare though. It really very is. rare. You, and you've demonstrated you demonstrated the occasional cuss word is not bad. Yeah, but I wouldn't go out of your way. Right, right. Um, how about like, um, can I sing? copyrighted songs if that's a very good question there's like a there's a there's a limit i know that there's a you know like if you quote a song in a book which i've done there's a it's it's spelled out in in good detail um how many lines you can use under like a fair Mm, use thing really now here's the interesting here's the interesting thing if you were gonna say let's say you uh were in a situation where you were gonna say you know it's interesting uh, how llamas have been treated in popular music over the years. Mm. And I'm now going to recite and sing a handful of songs in a way that will demonstrate a point and illustrate something about like the facile nature of culture and, and sort of the collective experience we all have and understanding something. Then you would be able to go and rip through a bunch of copyrighted material and possibly be covered under a fair use thing. Oh, because which, I'm using it for demonstrative purposes? Yes. Or oh, yeah. Wow, it's very complicated. Yeah, it is. And we don't have that kind of... So I remember once when I was in... I would have been in my late teens, early 20s. I went and saw uh, a Blood, Sweat, and Tears reunion concert. Yeah. And uh, the guy was talking about how... Millie Vanilli had just stole one of his riffs and yeah. he was all excited because <laughs> he got enough money from the settlement to redo his kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? You talked about yeah, that in front of everybody. Yeah. Spinning wheel, got to go. Oh, I hope that's not too many lines. No, no, you definitely didn't cross, you definitely didn't cross the line there. And it's usually good practice to credit it. Oh, that so was even if you if you were writing a book and you want to share like some lyrics, okay. When I was doing, uh, I did a book and I wanted to talk about the song "Putting on the Ritz," right? So mm-hmm. in there you'd say like Irving Berlin, okay, wrote a song, and in the song or said these words, and you're attributing it, and then you can, there's a then there's a limit on how much you can get away with. You, mm-hmm. It's like the same way that you can quote, um, you can quote a book at length, right? Oh, right. Yeah. But, long, yeah, but you can't just like quote be like a dirty trick where you just say like, "Here's a book for you. Here's a quote for you," and then just put the whole book in. Right, right, right. Yeah. So are you are you now cool to proceed with the? Yeah, I only know of one song with a llama in it, and it's uh, a Frank Sinatra song, and I don't even know the name of it. But he says something about llamas in Peru or something like mm. that. Do you know? That's about a good, that's a good clean segue. Watch this, Yanni. 
So uh, aren't llamas native to Peru? I don't. Well, the fact that you asked me, oh, why, yes, they are. Okay, yes, they sorry. Are. I thought it was a trick question for oh, a no. second there. Let me just tell you, because I know that, this, uh, that was quick, but let me just say what the main thing I want to talk about after, after a lengthy preamble. I want to talk about um, like your sort of personal voyage with llamas. Mm. Mm-hmm. Not, that that's the, not that that's like uh, the only interesting thing about you, but I think it's just the thing that... Um, I'm, I'm comfortable with my like, llamas being like, the most like interesting thing, thing about just, me. Like that people just generally do not know about. Oh yeah, yeah. And I think within that, um, there's a lot that brings out a lot of things about your personality, your approach to life. Okay. Mm. Um, your your kind of uh, journey as a as an elk hunter. Right, I feel that it's like a thing that sort of captures all that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you want me to? Well, yeah. Start with um, sciatica. Yeah, I started. Uh, I remember it was after um, a moose hunt with you and Danny and, and a couple other guys. Uh, who was it? Dan Rafferty, right? Hardcore Jeffy. Yeah. Matt Rafferty. Matt Rafferty, yeah. Um, and after that, I just, I thought I had a, a torn hamstring. And it, after four or five months of physical. Where did that hurt? Oh. Pretty far down your leg? From my ass to my knee and my left leg. Okay. Interestingly enough, that it's, it tends to afflict the left leg more than the right. Oh. For you or? For everybody. Across in general. Because I have yeah. a pain right now, and that you just made me nervous when you said where it was. Oh. Mine's in my right. Well, that doesn't rule it out. You probably got a herniated disc. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I got to run. <laughs> um, I'm always fascinated by stuff like that that's like uh, – um, asymmetric in the human or in, a, in the yeah, i guess in the human body because it's just i know our hearts on one side and but like what do you mean but, but, oh but, that but, that but, something what, would ten, uh, restless oh, leg that syndrome tend, that it would tend yeah. to be in a certain leg restless leg t- syndrome is the same way it tends to be in the left leg and i'm like wow mine mine occurs in my right that? leg oh i wonder if my heart's on the other side <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah that that is that is puzzling yeah but get, your body is it's weird that your body is like a little out of whack and that your that your uh heart is displaced off center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I neck problems are more common on the right, I've learned, because I have some neck issues now. I don't know. It's just I'm sure there's Obviously, there's good explanations for all this stuff, but it just makes you realize that things are more complicated than you. You're at a point in life where, um, where you're starting to kind of fall apart a little bit. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm, I'm probably, well, forty five percent the man I used to be, but that's still most more man than most people. Yeah, but I don't think you're that low. But just as far as having this disc. Yeah, if that's if that's true, then by golly, you must have been hard to keep up with ten years ago. <laughs> oh yeah, indestructible, um, indestructible. 
No, my problems have been well behaved lately. I'm feeling are you doing better? Frisky, yeah. Because for a while, Matt, uh, his one of his arms shrank. It's still shrunk. Yeah, hasn't come back. I can like you know how you do those where it's like a football throw where you got your hand behind your head and you're extending your arm upwards with a weight in it. Yeah. On my left, I can do ten reps of that with thirty five pounds no problem but with my wilted arm because it's my tricep that's wilted it's 20 pounds and it's a bitch yeah you know so yeah it's still but the pain isn't as bad i don't know well we don't want yeah but back up to the sciatica so yeah i uh i started getting uh this pain in my left leg it took a long time to diagnose and you thought you'd mess it up carrying moose quarters i know i did Mm. Danny and I, Danny and you and I ended up at this moose carcass. I don't know how. I think he was up there and he shot it up off the river. We were camped on a remember river. Remember that? Yeah. And um, he shot a moose. And I think you and I, he came back down and found us. And we all three went up there and carried a bunch out. And we loaded up three backpacks. And I don't remember. Somebody couldn't carry theirs. And I ended up carrying theirs for him. And we traded. No. Yes. Was it me? I probably Danny. No. Really? Yeah. And I was like, I'll show these sons of bitches. And well, it the was reason so, I know, we've the carried reason, some heavy shit. The reason that I was know, like, yeah, but here's why I know that you're a little bit messed up. Because there was no situation where someone went and killed a bull and came back and got people. I am telling you, it was the three of us carrying Danny's moose. He shot the first moose and on I that was trip. laying right next to him when he shot it. Oh, well, then we, I and ended up... too. Oh, well, then he didn't come back down. That Okay, I was messed up on that. Yeah. But we were all there at the carcass. We together. were all there at the carcass. I watched him shoot that? Yeah. I have no recollection of I that. Still, I still remember. Uh, yeah. It maybe, came from way off. It kept coming, 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 maybe coming, Maybe the coming. spinal trauma of carrying it, like, somehow rattled my brain. So... You're saying that someone said I can't carry my pack. I yeah, I was I, I it was you it's, you said I'm it's coming back to me now. You said I I, I help I, take Danny's pack. He is struggling. And I took it. His and whole it, pack. Well, he took mine. He just ended up with a bigger Oh. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's more plausible. Yeah. And uh it was the next day that I was like, things are different with my body. And you know, I, I, I live for that stuff, you know, so uh, for going in the backcountry and hunting, that's like, that's what keeps me going. So I knew I had to change something. And when I started getting, when I started thinking about llamas, I was thinking of them as um, just a quieter version of a quad runner that you could take into a wilderness area. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of them as uh, just an instrument for carrying heavy items. Yeah, because you don't have a lick of at the time. You didn't have like a lick of uh, of of livestocky interest. Well, you've developed. I it. had at that time that I got those llamas. I had two chickens. Oh, yeah, that's true. And I fell in love. That's with true. Them. I fell in love with those chickens, and and you ki- initially kicked around the idea of um, more traditional pack stock. 
Mm, did I? Or did you not seriously consider that? I thought I you, thought, I I went thought, you right thought to about mules. Thought about mules. Oh. Yeah, maybe. I don't remember. But, but uh, pretty quickly settled on. Now, what I don't like about a mule is um, I find that that kind of like hunting horses and mules and stuff is like the kind of thing that if you don't grow up around it it's very i think it would be very hard to catch up oh yeah to someone that did more i mean horses i know are from my wife i know are extremely dangerous my wife has a guest ranch and uh she strongly discourages me from interacting with horses for packing purposes um but i know but mules are supposed to be way more uh dangerous they can i guess they have some kind of joint configuration that allows them to kick in not just straight back but to the side and for, i don't right? know yeah yeah they scare me and the thing about it is like in, in time i've spent with people who grew up around them when they're looking at one they're seeing something a lot different than what i see when i look at one mm. that Oh, I think they're cute. But, oh, yeah, yeah, but they're like, oh no, he's like in a kind of bad mood Whoa, right now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's, yeah. I would well, go I near. That way with yeah, horses, he, you yeah. can tell he's got like, he's a little bloated, kind of in a bad mood. Mm. And I'm, I'm like, just, you're just looks looking like a at damn like, mule. Yeah, to me. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> looks exactly. like the same mule that was there an hour ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was in this guy's shop getting something welded. If this is like ten years ago, and. He had all these pictures of he had riding mules that he hunted in the mountains with, and uh, he I started asking him about them. And he said, "Yeah, last last year, I don't know, maybe two years ago, he said I had to get rid of them all." And he he was borderline kind of breaking down a little bit right in front of me, and I just had met the man, and he said, "Yeah, it's just too dangerous when you're get a little older and you're." And your reflexes aren't as good. Really? Yeah. It's like hunting. With- he spent his whole life with them, and he's like, "But mm, nah." Sounds like he's hunting with mountain lions or something instead of. <laughs> yeah. One of my earliest—I uh, don't really call him a hunting mentor—but when I moved to Colorado, he was a fellow that owned a uh, small, like, <clears throat> hunting and fishing shop, and uh, like a retail space. Yeah, and um, he gave me good advice early on. Where to go find some rabbits? One of my favorite fishing stretches. Divulged his rabbit spot. Hmm. Divulged his rabbit spot. Yeah, I, don't know. I think he could have cared less. <laughs> but he did What's divulge a really that? nice uh, trout river. And uh, anyways, he sold his uh, business. And I think like within months, was on a horse. Lost it. Hit his head died oh is that right really good thing you got that rabbit spot when you did he'd have carried it with him that's coincidence but you know yeah kind of (laughs) proves that point (laughs) um pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service it's called the wellness company picture this okay you wake up you got a scratchy throat you're all congested you got a runny nose you got a cough whatever and you weigh your options like you tough it out get sick take time off work Try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months. Wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of six sick folks. Or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription. And you start on the right meds right away. 
these medical emergency kits, not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor. No waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at twc.health slash meat eater, but you got to use the promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater, okay, at twc.health slash meat eater. Yeah, I've said it before and I'll say it a thousand times more. If you got a family and you got people that rely on you, you need to take life insurance seriously. And Policy Genius is the country's leading online insurance marketplace. So with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars in coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Your life insurance policy you know, that you get at work may not offer enough protection for your family's needs. Policy Genius gives you unbiased advice from a licensed expert support team. Now, this is super convenient, right? Because a lot of times, you know, something like life insurance, you're just going to put it off because you're like, when will I ever have time to do that? I don't even know who to talk to about it. Well, this helps you do it online. Okay, again, you're comparing options from top companies, all right? Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Hey, I'm excited to share our newest sponsor here on the Meat Eater Podcast, which is Poncho Outdoors. The reason I'm excited is I buy their shirts anyways. I don't, I don't I, listen, man, I, I rarely go into stores to buy clothes. I like to, I just buy my stuff online and I love their shirts. Max that I work with, Max Bard, who comes on the podcast one day. I don't know if he sent me a link to this place. I went on and bought some shirts. Dude, they make some good shirts. And they even have an option where if you're like a skinny dude, you can click like the skinny dude thing and get like a whole different cut of the shirt. It's great. Based in Austin, Texas, Poncho is committed to crafting the world's best outdoor shirts for men. They got it started out with a lightweight fishing shirt. Now they make all kinds of other lines. Western, denim, flannel, corduroy. Better fitting. Not not all baggy. Better performing because they got modern fabrics with some stretch and breathability. And way comfortable. Poncho is only sold on their own website. So head over to ponchooutdoors.com. Use code MEATEATER for a free hat or t-shirt with any purchase of a shirt. Poncho offers free shipping and returns, so you can try them out risk-free. <laughs> can you, Matt, can you real quick, can you real quick, this is a this is a segue, or not a segue, but a, an aside. Can you real quick explain how you came to realize that, uh, that burning a moose dropping smells like, like, incense oh yeah um there was no creativity or like um sense of exploration on my part it's not like mm, i'll try burning let's try burning this see what it smells like i the guy that the guy that married me and my wife he's kind of a he's a long-term term friend of my life but he's kind of a a, a grizzled 
like guru naturalist kind of a fellow and a grizzled showed, a grizzled fellow who works with grizzly bears he does work with grizzly bears or works man. not with them but looks at them yeah yeah um he i was at his house one night and he all night there was this very pleasant smell in the room it smelled like you know how willows and aspen have that smell in the spring like yeah. if you go down to a river when they're starting to leaf out yeah you're talking to johnny aspen over here yanni aspen mm. yeah and then if you take one of those buds it's real sticky and you smell it, it smells so freaking good that's what it smelled like but this was in the winter and finally he didn't say anything about it i just looked and he's like lighting one of these things moose pellets yeah um, he, he teaches at a wilderness school and one of his students, uh, this retired airline pilot, was, uh, he showed that pilot that trick and the pilot started a company called Moose Sense no. in Missoula, Montana. No. Where you can get online, you buy a little incense burner, and they send you some pellets. So is your buddy pissed? No, he don't care. He, you know, he was he, he wasn't looking to. He's not. He on. wasn't thinking of it as an entrepreneurial thing. Yeah, I, I don't know a whole lot about business, but I mean, I got that's got to be kind of like a fringe business. I can't imagine he's making more doing that than he was as an airline pilot. But. <laughs> that'd be I, yeah, that'd be interesting. So there you were. You had a lot of pain between your ass and neat mm-hmm. and got to thinking that the good times are through right you had to start hunting white tails out of trees right if i could hobble up a tree still that maybe i could rescue some fraction of my hunting lifestyle but uh th- then llamas came to the rescue uh i Haggy. don't my first two llamas were haggy and timmy like rescue rescue they didn't llamas. come to the rescue you came to the rescue i came to the rescue they were a uh kind of a ad hoc llama rescue center in Idaho. And I started communicating with a woman there that sold llama. It was called Llama Hardware is the name of the company. It's still in existence, but it's a different owner. About, I don't know why I started chatting with her about saddles and gear before I even had llamas, but she was the one that found these two llamas. They were brother and sister. Uh, and those were my first llamas. I remember I was with you when I yep. first li- laid eyes on them. Over by, we went and went to a fellow named Jerry's place. Jerry Hansen in Billings, Montana. Lives yeah. on the Yellowstone. And if I'm not mistaken, from his window, he was showing us a, a old spot where he, I believe, could be wrong, that uh, an old spot where Calamity Jane... Oh, I don't have any recollection of this. Calamity Jane had uh, domiciled or something for oh, a while. I could be oh, wrong. Oh. And those things came off. I remember they came off that trailer. Yeah. And they were like as wild as if you went mm-hmm. down to South America and climbed up into the Andes and found a yeah. llama. Yeah. And at the end of the day, Jerry had clipped their toenails, put a saddle on them, and walked them around. And crossed some creeks. Cross creeks. With yeah. Them. Yeah. And... uh Quickly, they went from being uh, uh, grass-powered four-wheelers to being just 
uh, pets, kind of. I mean, they didn't think of themselves as pets. They they got tame enough to pack, but to me, I just I just marveled at them. I thought they were you liked them. Oh, liked them, I liked them. them so much. Yeah, it became and even now it's more this way. And even now, like I, I do most of my hunting alone, and a big part of the attraction is being out there with my. I have four pack llamas now. Being out there with my my buddies. Um, I, I want to get just a couple. I, I do want to get back to that, but just to, I want to give people a little bit of a sense here. So you got them because you like to hunt uh, in the back country. Yeah, and 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 the not end. that there's fake back country, but I mean, like by any like by any working definition from the lower forty eight, we're talking like some of the most some of the most back country stuff outside of areas that you might encounter in the Frank Church or Bob Marsh. Yeah, five to eight mile back, yeah, like, back in know, there. Yeah. Back, back in. And then, you know, when you kill an elk, you're moving. You probably know better than anybody. Now you got, I do because you got to scale. You, you got to get the – you put some meat on one side, some on the other in a thing called a pannier. Um, and it's got to be with a llama they recommend within one or two pounds. Oh, look at that. There's a woman across the street picking wild asparagus. Oh, I was going to ask you if any asparagus is Must popping be. Should we uh, go yell at her? Well, I don't know. I, I could, but it's somebody else's property. So. Uh, Matt, just another side note. Matt, you know what? No trespassing signs. Matt, you're <laughs> on Matt's property. He, he put along the road signs that say trespassing allowed. <laughs> Yeah, nobody has taken me up on that. And oddly, yeah. he had a hard time finding a sign and had to make had to commission yeah, his own. Made. He had to custom make his own trespassing allowed signs because they are not for sale at Walmart. Yeah. You don't say. <laughs> that Ma- cracked me up when I pulled up. Oh, that's yeah. This is the first year I've had those. Trespass, I love those trespassing. Allowed. I've gotten some compliments on them. Is that like right? people kind of understand what I'm going for with them. Mm-hmm. You know. Do you remember that our old man? And Eugene Groters, mm-hmm. if someone put up no trespassing signs, they would go and just take them down. Well, it was ridiculous. Up where really? Eugene, up where this guy, we, this is a guy we idolized as children. He was, he was a, just a crazy, uh, funny as hell guy that was kind of a hunt and fishing mentor to us. And he had a cabin, quote unquote, up north from where we grew up. Which seemed like you were driving. It seemed like it was a million miles away. In, into house. the great beyond. It's like an hour away. And uh, yeah, it but, like you were, it's like you drove to Alaska when you went up there. <laughs> and then now when you drive, you're like, this is where it was? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went there a couple of years ago to see the old cabin. But uh, those guys were ridiculous. I mean, they had a no trespassing sign on every freaking tree on the border of their land. Yeah. You know? um, um, yeah, so... And you know what I was thinking about the other day is how crazy it is that... How quick it is that when you eat asparagus, it smells in your pee. It's like 20 minutes. Yeah. There's something in there. I, I've read how, that it's related somehow. In Harold McGee's very wonderful book, um, The Science and Lore of Cooking, he talks at length about why asparagus makes your piss smell. I have the same thing with coffee, though. Do you guys have that? Mm-mm. Makes your piss smell like asparagus? <laughs> <laughs> My first pee every morning. If I just left it, you'd go in there and be like, someone poured a cup of coffee in the oh, toilet. really? Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. You're leaving a lot of coffee goodness in the uh, on the table, it sounds like. 
I remember. Is it still brown? <laughs> no. You know why uh, beer goes through you so quick, right? I don't. Because it doesn't have change color. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah. How many pounds an out? You chop oh, up an out. So. Because I'm saying, because you know better. You know, everybody's always speculating, but you have to measure your. You right. Have to weigh I know. Your, you Boned have to weigh out. the pioneers. Boned out. I used to say all the time, I've never gotten a big bull. Um, but a, a young bull, like a four point, five point youngster, maybe two, three years old, uh, 200 pounds. I've shot two bulls. Of boneless meat. Boneless meat. I shot two a little older bulls, six points that were 250. Cows typically 160. And that's what I've been saying for the last several years. And that, so you're talking, um, uh, all the meat off the bone. Yeah. So boning out all the ribs, yep. not taking any no bones, bones with you, packing the no heart bones out. bones about it. Packing the heart out. And then... Uh, Neck roasts, shanks. Yeah. Leaving on the ground, guts, bone, hair. Hide. Yeah, hide. Um, And uh, that... I don't know if, if people are listening, if you... You hear people say like, "Oh, I had a hundred pound pack." A hundred pound pack. That's a lot. Uh, yeah, you can do it. You can do it. We used to do it. A one hundred. Now I know. I didn't even know what they weighed when we were doing it. Yeah. But now I know because I've weighed well, a lot of elk. We would move. We would, we would move take a, out a whole elk. We would move a cow elk and our camping gear in a trip. No, that's not true. No, we'd always go back for our camping gear a couple of weeks later after we could walk again. <laughs> yeah you know what no, we I remember, never I remember one out. year we left it and wait and didn't go get it till rifle opened or something like that yeah um when so i so then those about, are two 80 pound packs then you see uh, you get 160 off a of well but we cut, carried out bulls in one trip really yeah and then you're taking out antlers and you, yep small. yep so i think that first bull you got with your bow that was seven miles and we took out the whole animal in one trip and came back for the gear a different weekend. Yeah. And I remember, oh, yeah, that was a different one. But I was going to say that was the one where we went back and Grizzlies had eaten all the That was a different bones, one, yeah. yeah. But that, so people say like, oh, I had a 100-pound pack. Yeah, it is possible, but it is, it's, it's like, it is, is not good for you. No, there, it is, it, no, no. Don't guys in the military carry yeah. that kind of? yeah. Man, they should change that. Like, there's, it's just you're compromising your later years. By yeah, I think they say in the military that you're expected to carry half your body weight. I think a fellow once yeah. told me. Especially in those areas where you got to carry a lot of water, where they're carrying water, and then and I, you can just imagine how expensive, how heavy ammunition is. You know, but um, no, when I, we first moved out here, we were so excited to hunt in the mountains, and we just didn't care. Yeah painful pack out oh man it'd be like you'd get to a thing that used to happen to us in the area we hunted we had to drive it was probably about maybe like a 30 or 40 minute drive to the closest gas station and you'd get down to the trailhead and like load your elk into the rig get in and then and then drive to the gas station and you'd 
oftentimes be locked up. You'd be stove up by the time you got there. I remember walking just into the far sports away was lodge for dinner and you like walking like a cowboy going to a gunfight. You <laughs> yeah, know, you're like very hard to get out of the vehicle. Very hard to go in there and order um, a bean burrito and a Gatorade at the at the brown food yeah. station of the gas station. And um, yeah, it's grueling. Man, so, have you ever heard that story? Like Ryan Callahan's on your podcast a lot. I know about um, a guy. I think it was a he was an outfitter that Ryan used to work for that shot a mountain goat. No. Oh, you've got to hear that story. I could tell it right now, but it'd take three minutes. And then heavy pack outs ensued. Yeah. Is it worth it? Oh, it's such a good story. Please, please. Um, so I don't really give a shit if we covered this llama thing, but I would like to. Wait, how much? How far <laughs> in are we now? Not at all. Okay. Um, so Ryan's boss shoots a, a a mountain goat eight miles back. He told me this at the cabin when we were fishing last summer. Okay. Shoots a mountain goat eight miles back in the mountains, and he's going to carry the whole son of a bitch out, which we all three know is a lot of weight if you're taking the hide skull yeah and he but he's like i'm gonna take my time you know um and he's because he just did not want to walk back well i didn't want to walk another 16 miles you know for a second trip um so he's finishing up and processing it getting it packed up and here comes a grizzly bear and he puts his pack on and starts to get out of there and that bear is following him and that bear mercilessly followed him the whole eight miles back to his car huh smelling that blood yeah so the, instead of taking his time the guy was like uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. i'm gonna i'm freaking not stopping gets back gets in his car and drives into uh oh it's right by clearwater junction where my wife's ranch is outside of missoula why can't i um think of the name of the town but her her staff Sealy lake no it's just east of there like connor no oh it's ridiculous but anyway it's the it's the it's the second closest bar to the ranch, and her staff goes there. It's, there's a bar there called Trixie's. Not to, gr- not Greeno. No. Um, there's a bar there called Trixie's in this little town. That's where all her staff goes. They always have bands there and stuff like that. Yeah, and you go there. Yeah. Um, I remember when we got married, Fitz and Pooter, your college roommates, went there, and they thought it was like Dusk Till Dawn in the <laughs> bar in Dusk Till Dawn, that Quentin Tarantino movie. Um, and, uh, so he pulls in there and it's in the fall when nothing's going on and sunset. No. Twin Creeks. No. Ovando. Ovando. Yeah. Okay. So he pulls in the driveway and his legs won't work at all. And there's no one in the bar. You can tell because there's no cars in the parking lot and he lays on the horn and the barkeep <laughs> comes out it, and he has her has her get him a six pack, and um, she goes and gets it. He pays for it, and she sits in the truck with him, just chit chat, and then they end up becoming a couple. Really? Yeah. 
That's, That's a good story. Nice. Is that they, worth telling? Are they married? Know. Oh yeah. Are they married now? No, they ended up splitting up. I guess. Yeah. Did they, did they I get, was hopeful when I asked. I asked. Did the same they get question, married? But. No, I don't think so. Oh, yeah. Um. Yeah. Why remember, is it? Why is it that, that makes the story just a little? Well, because we're romantic want, guys, I guess. People we want a story it all like to work out. Yeah, because think about it. Like you'd be like, oh yeah, you know this old. You know, this guy, and he goes, to, like, whatever, he's in World War II. I'm just making this up, right? Mm. And gets gravely injured, and this nurse comes out and slowly nurses him back to health, right? Yeah. And towards the end, you're like, oh, so they... Yeah, they, yeah. When, mm. Now they got 19 yeah. grandkids and four, and you're like, no, no, they dated and broke up. It's just like... Yeah. just doesn't have the punch. Yeah. I love my wife I very, very much. Um, but even if I didn't, I think I'd try to make it work just so it could have a romantic ending you know that we because you wouldn't want people to be like no it'd be for myself yeah just my own myth you know that we pulled it through and made it work i don't know do you remember when you drew of course you remember you drew a mountain speaking of long walks you drew a mountain goat tag many many years ago and we got up pretty early at yeah. a trailhead yep mike mullen, mullen. Interesting fellow, this Mike Mullen, because... He came to my wedding. That was the first time I'd seen him in 12 years, just a couple well, years ago. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll tell God, you. God, I got to stop talking about marriage and being married. Well, I'm sorry. No, you got you 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 mentionitis about your wife. Mm -hmm. So, it's good. So, <laughs> well, as much as I love her, I'm not going to... I'm going to try to abstain from mentioning the rest of this so, conversation. Uh, interesting fellow, this Mike Mullen, and, and I'm just going to touch on this before I talk about the, the, the mountain goat you, you got. Everyone knows now because of like grizzly bear issues and grizzly bear recovery and whatnot in the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. The thing you always hear, like it's like a, I call it one of those like Malcolm Gladwellian phenomenons where people love to act like, oh, it's really going on with grizzly bears, you see. Who's Malcolm? Oh, he writes those books where he's like, oh, if you want to understand the whole world, you just got to understand like dog leashes. Oh. That'll explain <laughs> it all. Okay. You know, or like whatever. You know, I've never like, heard of, I could picture that. As yeah. Like a, it's dog, like a, he traffics in these like. <laughs> the sum of knowledge through. Yeah. yeah like, oh, everything you ever want to know about X. You just got a hockey yeah, right out. Yeah. So he, um, um, he had a, he had a, he's a very popular writer. He's a lot smarter than I am. But, um, uh, Mike Mullen. Oh, sorry. People talking about grizzlies. The thing they like to bring up is that, that the grizzlies don't have access to cutthroat trout anymore. Mm -hmm. And that always mm -hmm. struck me like, well, okay, you got, a, you got a Yellowstone Lake used to have a population of uh, anadromous cuts, right? They would come out of the mm -hmm. lake and run up the rivers in the spring, and grizzlies would eat them. And everybody's always like, oh, that's why the grizzlies are, you know, whatever. They never make it because lake trout got turned loose in Yellowstone Lake, and the lake trout, you know, non-native, put so it in the bears Yellowstone are getting lake. testy because they don't have no, trout no, to eat anymore. You don't know. You don't know this whole narrative. Yeah, I'm just helping you. Oh with yeah, that. okay, yeah. So lake trout get introduced in Yellowstone Lake. They decimate the cutthroat population, and now people talk about this like thing that like, you know, this big driving factor in grizzly dynamics is the lack of cutthroat trout that are coming up out of that lake. And it turns out they had done some analysis on this, and about 10% of the bears in the greater Yellowstone ecosystem might have utilized cutthroats. Oh, I didn't know that part. So, because that really struck me like... You hear the same thing about pine nuts from whitebark pine. Yeah. It, which is much more plausible. I never, I could never get on board with the idea that, that, that losing an ephemeral, like, like 
some small fish for a brief period of time being available in a stream, in a couple streams, I'm like, that can't be enough. You intuited that it wasn't. Now, pine nuts, I was like, if you'd have told me that every bear was going to, when the pine nut epidemic rolled through that region, if you said uh, all bears will die now, I'd have been like, yeah, that sounds like. (laughs) Right, right. I agree with that. Yeah. It's much more widespread food source that's available for potentially a longer period of time. Yeah. It's incredibly important. But I think. But it's not that important. No. If you listen to the interview we did with the the Frank Manon, he's like, they're they're too adaptable. They got props. They have vulnerabilities, but that's not one of them. Anyhow, so there's a big thing to like go kill off all these lake trout. And right. they drop, or there's no bag limit, no closed season. And I think you're not oh, even supposed to. You're, you're not even. To Mike Mullen. Yeah, yeah back yeah, to Mike yeah, Mullen. Yeah. You're not even supposed to turn one of these lake trout loose if you catch them. And Mike Mullen gets wind of this big lake trout epidemic. And um, what's it called when there's too much of something? You wouldn't call it the epidemic, would you? Uh, what uh, would you call like a swarm of locusts? Yeah. A plague. An epi- an ep- not, not, that doesn't work in epidemic. We'll just call it. Whether it works or not, we'll just all agree that it was a lake trout epidemic. Mike Mullen gets wind of this and goes down, and he's like, well, I'll do my part. And starts going down there and catching a lot of lake trout. But then realizes he likes uh, lake trout fishing so much, he starts to worry for the future of these lake trout, (laughs) which everyone's trying to get rid of. And one day I'm talking to him, and he's talking about how he caught a couple and turned a bunch loose. I said, I thought you weren't supposed to turn those loose. And he told me, well, I'm just real afraid of damaging that fishery. (laughs) (laughs) He came with us on this goat hunt, and we walked. Who else is there? Colonel? Eric no, Kirk? Matt Moison. Oh, yeah, that's right. It wasn't Kirk. Yep, absolutely. Right. And we got up pretty early and walked nine miles and climbed a lot of footage. And I remember getting I remember getting where I felt like by the time that goat was on the ground, I was feeling like I was going to vomit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but altitude the, sickness was but the, setting in. But the magical thing about it, and I don't want to give too much away, but there's an area that has, there's an area we, where Matt still frequents a little bit that um, if you go in this area in like September, say, there are no elk there. No. And we've made a mistake of going, thinking. Oh, this is an interesting story. There yeah. are no elk there. Okay. They're just not. I've gone in there tw- twice now. They're just not there. They're not there. But then the first week of October, there they are. Mm-hmm. And we discovered that when we were up goat hunting that goat at 10,000 feet in the mountains, like in this, like. No, we discovered we, that they were. When and how. Right. No, no, no. That's when we discovered that it even happened. Oh, is that right? Absolutely. Because my girlfriend. After that hunt, we're like all day we're up there at 10,000 feet in this craggy pass where no elk ever live. They would just go through there. They wouldn't just live rock. up there. And it was snowing and it was foggy. No, and it, we're gutting it was that October goat. 7th. And it we're gutting that elk, that gutting that goat and skinning it. And you could hear, do it, Yanni, the way off bugle. I'll buy it. Yeah. Sounded like the Rickola guy a little bit with Hit his another, horn. That wasn't your best. No? Still don't like it's it? Not, you're not doing it as good as you normally do it. That's Hit one you, more. That's what you're talking about? You're my, doing better my, than my, I my whistle? He can do a way off bugle. Yeah. Do it one yeah, more. Yeah, a good caller for anything. Oh, very good caller. <laughs> do one more. 
Yeah, way off bugle. Yeah. And through the fog and snow, we see elk going over that pass. Screaming through that pass. I'll always remember that night. Yeah. And then the next weekend, I hiked into where I thought they were going with my girlfriend. And it was Who's a your girlfriend back then? Elizabeth. Yeah. And um, Elizabeth Roberts. Think about you once in a while. Love you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> not as much as my wife. <laughs> that's not true. But, um, uh, so we hiked in there. And you and I had already hunted in there because we went in there in June and there was elk all over the place. We thought, oh, this is the place to go elk hunting. And that was when we first moved out here. Because they calved. And then we... You're right now. You're right. You're right now. And then we went back in there. I remember we sat there one time and counted. We were back there in June. We were leaning against a tree that had a chickadee hole in it. Mm -hmm. Saw a black bear. We were in there with our other other girlfriends. Counted like 200. and Bridget. Counted 270 yeah. out. Yeah. Wow. And you saw a mountain land. Yeah, streaking down through there. Yeah. So You're right. Then we went in there and tried to, we were going like, oh, this is the spot where all the elk live. And we went back in there in September and there was none because they just are there in the spring and the winter. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And then we found, so uh, what I want to tell about that is that night we went up and didn't want a grizzly to get it. So we wrapped that goat up in a tree, up in a subalpine fir. Yeah, right by our camp. Yep, but it got real cold, and that goat hide froze up in the tree. Do you remember how long we were up there climbing up that tree trying to get that thing back down? Mm-hmm. It was stuck to the we tree. We had it all wrapped up in the limbs, and it froze like a mm. rock, and we couldn't get it back down. No, I don't remember that. Um, I remember we were packing out. We ran into four dudes up there that were fishing in those lakes up there. I don't remember that. I was like, really? You guys came all the way up here in this freaking frigid Snow and ass shit. to fly fish? Yeah. Not even a goat tag in their pocket. Yeah. Another quick goat story that I'd like to share is this happened to a friend of ours come out of the Air Force named Chuck Roberts. He shot a goat and it spilled off a cliff. And... um as they're wont to do. And <laughs> and uh, he starts trying to climb down there <laughs> to try to get where he's going. So he came up one drainage, went to the ridge line, shot the goat, and the goat fell off the other side. Mm. Starts climbing down, trying to go down and find the goat. Who is this goat. guy again? Remember that dude the first time? First, I think it was the first time we ever went caribou hunting on the North Slope. That dude out of the Air Force. He used to paint. Oh yeah. He used to paint. B, yeah, he used to paint yeah. B twos, and he wouldn't answer any questions about B twos because it was all classified. Right. Mary be like, "How are people fit in one of them B twos, Chuck?" Don't know. He was an, <laughs> that guy was an accomplished outdoorsman, man. No. no. Yeah, he was. He had all. He like his gear was impeccable because he had worked. He had worked packing moose for a guy out on the peninsula. I thought he was good. Not a no, I not an experience. Not spent, an experience outdoors. He had spent some time. Good guy. Well, maybe not experienced, but good. Like yeah, he might have just had been good from the yeah, outset he, he without had, any experience. He had but. gone out and packed meat for an outfitter out on the peninsula. Because I remember he had um, he had what surprised me is I remember he had a, a, a loophole spot and scope and some loophole knockers, mm, which is yeah, and a car hard nice. jacket. Yeah, um, he 
you know, I hunted with him, just him and I, for a couple of days, and he was definitely the boss. Like I deferred to him. Yeah, like, I was just doing what he told yeah, me. Yeah, I'm not trying. To, I'm not trying to say anything bad about him. I, but anyhow, tries to go down to get the goat, and climbs, 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 and uh, it gets dark, and it was so steep where he was that he took some paracord and tied himself to some alders to sleep. Wow. Yeah. And ended up, wow. Gets daybreak, continues down looking for his thing, finds it, and there's a bear had just eaten it. <laughs> so, oh, my God. Really? Yep, punched his tag. And now he's in the other drainage. So he's like, oh, what the hell? I could climb back up and go back the way I came and walks out that drainage. And why I can't remember what he said. He winds up 13 miles from his truck or something. Man. The drainage peeled way off and went off some other direction. My father-in-law... um, the father of a person I'm not going to mention the rest of this conversation. Uh, he shot a goat in the... Louie did? Mm-hmm. Really? In the... And this is like six, seven years ago now in the Beartooths. And freaking... Juanita's dad shot a goat? Yeah. It's in their house mounted like the head. I mean, not that it's surprising. Mean, he's he's not like a, a hunting team, He's like a dude. team roper and a... Yeah, yeah. He's more of a cowboy than a hunter type dude. But he does a little of the hunting. So he went like a got a put in for a tag draw. Went with a friend of his. They went back on horses. He shot this goat, and bef- like as soon as the thing hit the ground, there was a grizzly on it. But they ran it off and got it. They got it. Yeah. I had a goat fall 1,200 feet. Yeah. Yeah. I it, know you did. It. It was like a, you told me that it was like a bag with bone fragments and meat inside of yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's, the horns were gone. The head was split open. Um, the brain was gone. The lungs were tucked up in the, between the shanks and the hide. Mm. The hide was completely loose. Mm. You just had to make your opening incisions and the hide fell free. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's crazy. An abs, not a, just, and you know what? I took that hide. So we went, we dug through it and got a little game bag full of meat and whatnot out of there to, you know, this burger. And I took that hide and it soon to be destroyed. And I went, we went down and I threw that hide in a creek and threw a big rock on it. And we had found an old, uh, an old plaster. Wait, mine. why did you do that? Because it was just, it was like, all it was was just gravel. Oh, you're it trying to like, clean it up? I, did, I was trying to tell what was going on. With it. I mean, oh. it was just gravel. We, like, drug it down. It was just, like, gray. We couldn't find the goat because the goat had turned the color of the of uh, the rock. Earth. Yeah. And it landed down, and, like, the scree slide tapered out and, like, became more granular, you know? Yeah. And at the bottom of the scree slide, it was just, like, a pulverized shale. And the goat's high was just so impregnated with that stuff. And we'd found an old abandoned plaster mine and took a, a propane tank and had a weed burning torch on it and we were aiming it at rocks. <laughs> yeah, I remember you talking about We were about aiming this. it at rocks. We'd get the rocks real hot and bring them in our tent, tent yeah. to warm up. But anyways... Um, it wasn't just like 80 degrees in there. Like, <laughs> yeah, you'd get it hot, but it wouldn't last. But uh, so after a while, I dragged that hide out. And the funny thing about it, the hide was angelic. And oh. not a nick on it. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. it looks great. Yeah. Just, but everything else is just trash. 
Didn't Chuck end up getting married to, or getting a girl pregnant and marrying her, but he didn't really like her very much? That rings a bell. Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of six sick folks, or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription, and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits, not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor. No waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at twc.health slash meat eater, but you got to use the promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater, okay, at twc.health slash meat eater. Hey, I'm excited to share our newest sponsor here on the Meat Eater Podcast, which is Poncho Outdoors. The reason I'm excited is I buy their shirts anyways. I don't, I don't I, listen, man, I, I rarely go into stores to buy clothes. I like to, I just buy my stuff online and I love their shirts. Max that I work with, Max Bard, who comes on the podcast one day. I don't know if he sent me a link to this place. I went on and bought some shirts. Dude, they make some good shirts and they even have an option where if you're like a skinny dude, you can click like the skinny dude thing and get like a whole different cut of the shirt. It's great. Based in Austin, Texas, Poncho is committed to crafting the world's best outdoor shirts for men. They got it started out with a lightweight fishing shirt. Now they make all kinds of other lines. Western, denim, flannel, corduroy. Better fitting. Not, not all baggy. Better performing because they got modern fabrics with some stretch and breathability. And way comfortable. Poncho is only sold on their own website. So head over to ponchooutdoors.com. Use code MEATEATER for a free hat or t-shirt with any purchase of a shirt. Poncho offers free shipping and returns, so you can try them out risk-free. The single most valuable tool I have for chasing turkeys next to my scattergun is the Onyx Hunt app. If I'm hunting turkeys, I'm using Onyx. If I'm not hunting turkeys, I'm using Onyx. I'm always using Onyx. I live by that stuff. I can't tell you the number of birds this app has put me on by allowing me to easily find new areas to hunt. It's invaluable. I use it all the time. Even properties I know super well. And I'm at my buddy Bubbly Doug's house. I'm using Onyx, and I've hunted this place a million times. With their compass mode, I can pinpoint exactly on the map where a gobble rang out from and then figure out the perfect spot to set up. Meaning, if I'm sitting there, let's say I'm at Bubbly Doug's, and I'm in the navel, and I hear, I'll like instinctively pull up bubbly doug's place on on x and i'll look at the topography and i'll be like oh that sucker must be over in that little opening over there waypoints also and the ability to share them okay comes in handy every spring whether that's revisiting old waypoints where i've been on birds before or sharing them to buddies to help put them on birds this app will help you find more turkeys on x hunt has a special offer for you too Use code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt. 
this turkey season. It was shortly bell. after, probably. Yeah, yeah, rings a bell. Yeah, it was like some kind of like, uh, I don't know, a pro- prognosticative thing that him hanging off a willow tree. Maybe he should have thought about the way his life was going. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, really like the like the child a lot. Yeah. Because he moved, he reached out to you not too long yep. ago, didn't he? Not, well, and then you put him in now. touch with me. Yeah, years yeah. now. But he moved to Portland. Um. So, how many pounds will a llama carry? Eighty. 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 I put eighty on mine. Yeah, routinely. I think he used to be way more conservative than that. No, the first elk I packed out with my llamas with Timmy and Haggy, they carried eighty pounds apiece. And they were carrying it down. Something was like, it was so freaking steep that you were more sliding down it than walking down it. I remember and you they, saying that, well, uh, that mountain that you killed your first bull with, with a bow, I killed my first bull with a bow freaking 50 yards from that same spot. Remember that mountain? Yeah. I remember we That's made the, the sound of Timmy and Haggy's hooves, man. Freaking. I remember that we made the mistake so on the next tough. hill over of putting boned out meat in game bags and thinking we'd roll them down the hill. Yeah. And one of them burst, and we spent a long time looking yeah, for scraps oh yeah. of meat up and down that hill. The thing you got to realize about a, a, a llama, a pack llama, is that. You told me once that a llama will go pretty much anywhere you can go where you don't have to, to use, use your hands. hands. And I think what you have to realize about their psyche is that it it defies like um, human constructs. It's not their psyche is just so different than the human beings that it takes a long time to be able to identify with them. We're talking about an animal that is not snuggly, doesn't want to be touched, hates people. And I don't give a shit what I, anybody says. I Maybe know. not hate. I feel like if I, you know what I'd like to do sometime is have a, they make heart monitors that you can hook up to cattle for research purposes. I know this because of where I work as a cattle research place. I think that if you hooked up a heart monitor to my, one of my llamas and I go off hunting in the morning and you graph it, that they're, the, I could be wrong. I could so easily be wrong, but I think that their heart rate goes up a little tiny smidge, maybe one, two beats per minute. And then in the evening, when I come back to camp, it goes back down. Yeah, I'll buy that. I think there's more to it. These are animals that when I try to catch them, they try to run away from me and I have to corner them in the pasture. But they probably there's probably a big gray area between being around you and being touched by me. And being like tied up to a rope. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like how many dogs want to be out and around, but that doesn't mean you want, they want you to grab them and shove right. them in the box. Right. 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 They don't, yeah. Um, they know it's work time. But I think that they, and, and another component is the same animal that like wants to run away when I'm trying to catch it, um, doesn't want to be pet. Man, there's pride and workmanship with those things. I swear no. to God. You're, you're getting way too complex. So you get this game face, this almost imperceptible game face when you put weight on their back. And really? 
Oh, I feel like you're misreading. I it. probably am. Now, there's a I thing that you am. brought up about llamas a long time ago. We used to go do a little turkey hunting with the llamas, more for like. No, it was nice because you could bring some nicer camp stuff. Yeah, they, but, yeah, but they weren't one necessary. Of, a, a big yeah. motivation for it was you got to exercise them. That's BS. You I don't believe that anymore. No, like I, you damn sure used to believe. I that. sure did, yeah. but now I just say this. I just say what it really is. I like hanging out with my llamas a little bit. So yeah. you don't think that a llama needs to get be exercised? These four I have right now, all they do, well, either they're at peace, most 90% of the time they're at peace, but I'd say 10% of the day they're wrestling. And that wrestling is way more energy expending gotcha. than packing stuff. I mean, they go at it. They're trying to bite each other's nuts off and rolling on the ground. Yeah, yeah. Twisting their necks around each other, putting one neck, one puts its neck underneath another one and lifts it off the ground. So they're, they're like, incredibly so strong. they're doing a lot I'd more like to than see that. They're yeah, doing a lot cool. more than if you just took them out for a hike. Oh, yeah. But the thing I was going to say is on these little jaunts we would do for turkeys with the llamas carrying a pretty nice can. You could bring like beer and. Yeah. You know, we'd bring fresh food instead of backpack food. Um, I remember you saying that uh, that that you felt that they kind of liked just being out walking. And I think they do. And the thing that you brought up is that 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 you can one way to read a llama. The only that's really you probably have many cues you're looking at, but for me, I'm looking at its ears. Right. Right. When he's got his ears cocked back, he might be fixing to spit on you, which is awful. They spit like a, they spit their stomach contents up at right. you. It smells. It's horrible. Yeah, I only had to happen one time where I really caught one flat ass square in the wow. face. That's bad luck because they're spitting I at each other all all day long, right? They spit at each other <laughs> all the time. Holds each yeah. other down. But <laughs> these, these four guys, these four I have now, it's like all they do is fight. Like if I stop on the trail, they stop start fighting. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, mean, I only, I only spent, it. what, yeah. it was four or five days. If you're hiking, they're fine. But you stop and give them two minutes, and they're like, oh, I guess I'll start a fight. But that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, walking on the trail with them, they get their ears forward. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they're not like moving. Like, a lot of times a llama is moving because you're behind it. Right. right. And he's like, hey, what, 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 what? So he moves, you know. But they kind of like get going down the trail. And he really looks like a dude walking down the trail who's real really intent on going. Like, yeah. picture you're walking down a long trail and it's all shitty and you're just in thick timber. And then you get out in like some big meadow, you know, along a stream, right? And there's trails and you can find, look around. You're just like, that's what the llama's seen. Like. Oh, yeah. He's like digging Like a dude it. is like, he's digging oh, God, there's got to be something yeah, in here, yeah, man. Now yeah. we're going to see something. Yeah. And these four, I like, unlike my first string, um, who like sometimes sometimes weren't real anxious to go these four i got now god there's i don't even know they're back there they're just always loose rain right there with me they just want to freaking make tracks what's a llama what's a good race ready llama cost because you had some shitty llamas and then you got good llamas well i don't know Hagee was my probably my favorite she was 50 bucks from that rescue center so um, Haggy proved to be a good llama. She was fabulous. She was as good as the high test llamas that you have now. Yeah, my least good llama. Haggy was everybody as good as the ones I have now. But you pay considerably more now. Well, it depends on which one we're talking about. I got one of them out there 
I paid an eye-popping twenty-five freaking hundred dollars for. Yeah, and I remember that. And he's uh, he's probably the worst one. He's the cutest one, and I so I really I I adore him. He's super cute, and he's got a lot of character. But in terms of a pack llama, he's good, but he's not any better than the other ones. One of them I got for free. One of them I got because I lent my llamas to a guy for the summer. So and that llama escaped for a packing and, business and lives up in the Tetons. Now. No, no, that was a different company. Oh, um, that was Haggy that got is still live at large in the Tetons. But uh, <laughs> that's giving her the benefit of the doubt. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, Haggy, no. who's a pile of bones up in the Tetons. So one llama I paid twenty five hundred bucks for. One people just gave to me. These people lived up by, by Seattle. Just gave her Kim to me. Jay, uh, they call it, they named him Journey, which I think that's dorky. So I call him Jay um, for free. They said, quote unquote, he needed a job. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's funny. I went over to get him. They were. He lived up by Seattle. You drove over there to get a llama? No. I did. I drove to... I drove... They were like, well, we're going to go to Coeur d'Alene with our llamas. Ah. This was summer 2016. And so I was like, oh, bring Jay, and I'll get him there from you then, because that's way closer. 12-hour drive still. And what I did is I didn't want to take my horse trailer all the way over there, so I took the back seat out of my pickup truck and drove over there. And the reason they were there is they were carting their llamas. It's all these retired couples. What's carting a llama mean? Like they got little llama chariots and they oh. drive them around this, <laughs> <laughs> this park, which I got to do and was a freaking blast. And when I'm a retired person, that's going to be my shtick. <laughs> Totally. Like Ben Hur. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is Shifty going to roll? Oh, right next this to one woman had a little art. You're not allowed to have dogs off leash in this park. It's like a huge park with trails all over for horse riding. And there's like llama signs like this is a llama trail. This is a horse trail, which I couldn't believe. But she had this little arm coming off her cart with a clip off of it. And that was for her dog. Like a sidecar. <laughs> yeah. Except the dog had to run. You know, it's like, uh, but, um, so that's where I got Jay for free. One of my llamas I got for free because the people... Because he sucked at carting. No, they never tried him carting. Oh. Um, he just wasn't being used for anything. Well, you met that guy that was his owner. Remember, I, I had you give him some seafood for oh, me. Oh, that guy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, oh, yeah, nice guy. Yeah, super nice guy. What, tw- Arnie, 2500 bucks. Uh, Ooh, no wonder I liked Arnie. Tad. Jay, a sack of seafood. Tad, I would have bought for 1000 but people bought, or 1500 but people bought him for me because they lost Haggy. Um, Jay was free, and Louie I got for free because I lent my other llama, uh, my llamas to a guy for the summer. Did you name that packing. llama after your father-in-law? No, he, he came pre-named. I guess he named after Louis and Cole. Have Louis you ever Clark. named a llama? 
it'd be a good name. It's a, it's like he is. If I had to pick a a llama that is like my father-in-law, I would pick him. Though is that right? He's but you've never gotten. You've short. never gotten my name father's one. full-blooded Filipino, and he, so he's short, but he's like very. He's in his mid seventies, but he's very athletic and tough. And this and this is like a short, squat little llama. Louis's not squat, but this llama's short. When he says he looks like a hippopotamus, doggone it! I mentioned my wife again. <laughs> um, but he's super tough. He does remind me of Louis. Yeah, he's cool. I, I, I was Louis I, the I llama or Louis, Louis the man. Louis, Louis, I haven't met Louis the man, but Louis the llama is my favorite. Mm. And then I think that uh, Arnie was my second favorite. Mm. Now you used to have a llama that had gotten uh, hung up in a fence, Majel, and got his jaw jacked out of alignment. Yeah, awesome, awesome llama. So I, there are pictures. If you want to see pictures of mass llamas, all you got to do is go buy the complete guide to hunting, butchering, and cooking wild game, volume one, and you'll see the that that's our guidebook. Oh, you'll see that the was kind of a sly it's little play. Yeah. <laughs> <It's good plug. laughs> yeah, Ma- uh, Majel. I when I got all these boys, and now I got four boys. I it would have it would have been a they because they don't know that they're fixed. Oh man. They would, they are always wrestling and fighting now. If you put a girl out there, it would be game on. They don't know they're fixed. Mm-mm. So it doesn't take away urge. No, no. I didn't know Arnie, that. I, for a while I had Arnie and two girls. Oh, man, he just freaking ride them constantly. So in the old days when they would make eunuchs, they would take humans and make eunuchs to guard harems the eunuch would feel all those urges. Oh, I don't know about that. Maybe something's different with the camelid physiology. I don't know. I'm just saying. All I know is Arnie is a freaking stud without balls. Yeah. Um, so now when you're out hunting and you kill it when you're by yourself and you kill a bull, like when you're walking into the mountains, you're not carrying shit. Just no. your bow and arrow. I, well, I got my camp. But why? Why not have the llamas carry? They're not carrying anything. Oh, me personally, yeah. Yeah. Like you walk. In- I carry a backpack and with a few like. Because if you take a bunch of shit out of one pan, you're then you got to balance them out and all that. So anything I need for the day, I have it on my back. Yeah. And when you kill an elk, if you got four llamas, you can move one elk by yourself with how many llamas and not have to carry anything. Well, except your camp. I've done it with two. I, like I say, Timmy and Haggy, they packed out my first archery bull, but it felt a little bit um, irresponsible. Too much weight for him. But three, no problem. Now so, I got four, and that feels rock solid. So if one of them died, would you replace it, or would you be like, sweet, three is good? No, well, I think I'd, I think it's always, I think I would always have four. It's just no harder to have four in that way if some, one of them gets sick or, um, you know, just a little bit of it. It's it's just no, not any more hassle to have a fourth one. I feel like one time we took those llamas and carried out three deer on them. In down Custer Forest or something? Yeah, we were going somewhere. I remember I, you shot a white-tailed doe on the way in. Yep, yep. Then we killed a buck. Shot some other deer, put them on there, got dark, had an argument about how to get out of there, swung through and picked up that doe, 
think we had three deer three on deer. two. Yeah. And our backs. Yeah. Now, you uh, transporting the llamas, you used to carry your llamas around in a van. Mm-hmm. A twelve passenger van. All those retired people when they were pa- when they were doing that llama carting last summer, all of them had vans to carry them. Llama in. vans, llama vans, and my llama van, van, llama van, tricked out ones like mine. But I, I want uh, okay, go ahead. But I wanna, my, yeah, we'll get back. I I might cover this in the course of this. So yeah, no, I, I co- want to cover how piss flows through a llama van. Oh, we're not gonna get into that because no. what I was gonna tell you is <laughs> yeah, my my van was full of piss and shit but um but yeah they're basically just like what you'd call like an econo line right or this was a dodge but yeah yeah like a yeah, 15 well, no, passenger van short, windows stubby econo line i got so much attention on the expressway in that thing at gas stations i'd have dude if you went to gas, get gas yeah. you had to plan on having a marathon bullshit session with at least four <laughs> or five guys just no just getting gas and getting going <laughs> um yeah and then like on the interstate you know, you'd see somebody coming up to like pass you, and then you'd lose, you'd lose, I'd lose them in my blind spot mm-hmm. for like a minute, <laughs> and it's because they're like just freaking gawking at the llamas. llamas. And but uh, these people, these retired couples, they had nice fans, carpeted, and these llamas because they spend so much time with them, it was like compared to my llamas, these llamas were like, I it just ridiculously tame. But they must and have they, gasketed. They must have gasketed the. They take they take their llamas out every two hours at rest stops yeah. and let them go. But did they them gasket the area? Because like you know the bottom, picture a van with no or a pickup truck bed with no liner. It's cor- It's like a, it's not corrugated, but it's like a corrugated like there's troughs. Right. It, it, well, to put it in rifle terminology, there's lands and grooves. Right. And I remember you text you text screwed a piece of angle iron across there, but it didn't. That wasn't that wasn't to keep urine out of the front of the van. Oh, that was just that was because I had an expanded metal grate between me behind the seat to keep them the llamas from like slamming into the freaking yeah. Uh, I don't know the front of the van if. I we if I hit the brakes real quick. Yeah. So if you do hit the brakes, what I had, what piss. I had was laying. I had along that piece of angle iron. I had uh, some beach towels. To, That's right. Yeah. To try to to keep. Intercept. So if you're if urine started riding up that way, yeah, get, you'd slam the brakes and the urine would kind of come up and it'd get up and then you'd take off <laughs> and the urine would flow back away from yeah. you. Yeah. The thing I like about this is I feel like. Your first date, I know I'm bringing her up this time. Your first date with your wife, did you show up with that van full of llamas? She met me at a motel and I had the van there and I had the llamas in a corral outside the motel. And your first date, she you did, guys were introduced by friends. And your first date, she got into that van full of those llamas and you guys went up and killed a bull. No, second date we killed a bull. The first date we struck out. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. But she grew up around livestock, horses, high-test horses. She loves the llamas. Um, I'm often like, why don't we, because I'd like to do it, like go on horses once, just see what that's all about. Like, and I was like, why don't we take some of the horses and go? And she she can't even conceive of that. She she's like, think of those horses that way. She No, because they use it's them for business. day riding. It's. She's like, why in the world? Would we 
do that when we can take the llamas. Oh, she likes llamas better oh, than horses. Oh, she's just, they're too much work. And she's right. You know, a horse, you got to take it to water twice a day. Llamas don't give a shit, man. I've had my llamas out for eight days at a time, and I always lead them to water once a day, you know? Um, but I've had them out for eight-day trips where they didn't drink a drop. These llamas, they're happy. If you park them next to like a stand of dead juniper, they're like, yeah, that's yeah, cool, bro. Yeah. I'll eat this. Yeah. <laughs> or a dead tree. Like, I'll just eat these twigs. That's cool. Do you Have you ever had like a uh, train wreck? You know how people talk about like, and I've seen it with like pack strings, right? Where mm-hmm. <clears throat> we, I never did too much of the packing, but the Wrangler would be packing up gear or clients up to the base camp and we'd be haunting the meadow. And you'd see him ride through. And then like mm-hmm. an hour later, all of a sudden here comes Zippy the mule with, you know, the lead rope dangling in the wind. Oh. Stuff just coming out of panniers, you know, and then like an yeah. hour later, here come the Wrangler and we'd help him pick up the trail right. of, of stuff. Like are llamas capable of, of, of a train kind wreck? Of like, yeah. No. No. The most drama I've had is Haggy used to, when she would get loose, she thought it was funny to run back to the car. And if you could be way back in there three miles and you could hike in there the whole way freaking off trail. One time I was in a boat. I put them in a boat, Timmy and Haggy in a boat, and we drove five freaking miles and packed in three miles and she got loose and she ran back to the boat. <laughs> <laughs> I remember losing that damn llama and finding it at the car. Smell, man. Yeah, yeah. Thinking there's no way it found that car. Yeah, yeah. But that no, nothing like that. I saw we saw Steve. Oh yeah. Was it we had these guys, these horse guys coming through and we st- we got we were backpack hunting. And we got uphill the trail like you're supposed to do and got clear and their horses got even with us. And this is they were elk hunting. The last one was a mule, the one that freaked. freaking freaked. And yeah. you I mean, rolling down the hill, shit flying everywhere. Wooden, wooden panniers banging wooden, off the trees, splintering. Yeah, wooden old school wooden panniers just bursting. And I remember, do you remember what that guy yelled up the hill? What the fuck you guys got on? Yep. Backpacks. Yeah, elk yeah. meat, elk meat, brother. Elk. So, something you wouldn't <laughs> know, some of your horses <laughs> wouldn't know what it smelled like. <laughs> Our, our, uh, I think we actually said that. Elk. Yeah, it's funny elk, how your horses like, must a, a not know that smell. A man will freak a horse out. Oh, yeah, I, I've heard that many times oh. now. I feel bad. I don't mean to be laughing at the brother's misery, but his response of what we got on is though there's like some like deeper explanation. Yeah, I think he was an outfitter and he was trying to be like to his clients, like my they yeah. these guys are messing up. It's not my exactly. my stock that's messing up. Our uh, brother, our older half brother, who was a uh, uh, elk and he, he was an elk guide but did a lot of other kinds of you know auxiliary hunts he was saying that when they would kill a lion um he would do lion he had a houndsman that he worked with and when they would kill a lion those horses would not want to pack that lion obviously you don't they don't want a lion on he back. guided lion hunters yeah they he i remember him telling me that they would cut Joe. a track and now I know. Now name. I go know guys to do this. Him saying, "Oh yeah, we won't call the client until we cut a track." I remember him call, telling me that he had a client in Dallas. Called that guy says we cut a track. The guy flew up. <laughs> but he was saying they would just go. He'd go up to the line or whatever, and just get his hands drenched in blood, and then go up and rub that on the horse's face. Mm. 
because then he can't tell where the smell's coming right. from. Then once he calms down, you can put the thing on his back because he just can't tell oh. like what he's trying to get away from anymore. You ever had a llama that didn't want to pack meat? <sighs> Llamas don't care about that at all. They'd pack a llama. They would, you could they, chop they, up yeah, a llama could, and put yeah. it on his back. Yeah, you could put Satan himself on a llama's back. He would not care, man. <laughs> they don't care about that. <laughs> all right, man. We've only got a third the way... Um, We've talked a lot about llamas. No, I know, but not all of it. And, and, and I don't usually like to mix uh, business and pleasure, but I'm uh, I'm here with my older two youngsters, and I need to go get them. Oh, I thought you were saying we hadn't talked about llamas enough. No, no, no. I want to talk about no, llamas a lot more. I would continue to talk way more about llamas, but my my uh, my 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 boy and my girl are are uh, with one of my closest friends. Yeah. And, and they're here kids. to fish catfish with their Uncle Matt, and I got to go fetch them. Um, yeah, you guys are definitely going to be fishing catfish by the looks of the tongue. Dude, river. that river is rolling. It's good, though. It's good. Yeah. For catfish and for, I think we're going to catch some sturgeon. I'm optimistic, man. Sturgeon? Yeah. High water, good sturgeon fishing. Shovel nose. Yep. Not pallets. Yanni, uh, concluding thoughts? That was it. Podcast interrupt rolling. That was your concluding thought. Yeah. Yeah. Yanni was uh um you know Yanni's uh Rocky Mountain Squirrel Foundation. He was scouting um scouting squirrel spots today. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, and um how, how far is that? That's probably thirty no, an hour from here. Closer. Oh, not even. If it was foresight, that was forty five minutes. No, 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 I'm farther. Oh yeah. hi Oh, don't okay. be telling. No, it wasn't that place. Oh, why are we naming towns? I don't know. That's stupid. Yeah, we're going to have to bleep that out. Um, yeah. But anyways, yeah, I found squirrel sign and turkey sign. Mm. Mm. Good. Uh, Matt, concluding thoughts? We, I know we didn't, get, we didn't cover everything. Um, cover. Uh, th- no, this was fun. I thought that we would – I was afraid that we wouldn't have anything to talk about. No, 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 no. <laughs> that don't happen. Something about putting on a headset and having it be all official like other people might listen to it makes it makes you a little chattier. Yeah, it does. And then the the, the it has the quality I'll, of pardon me. I'll be here to say that it does not make you guys any chattier. Oh, really? We're like, like this normally, you pretty think? Pretty much, yeah. Hmm. hmm. Pretty chatty gentlemen. You got any concluding thoughts? That was it. Oh, that was a concluding yeah. thought. <laughs> My concluding thought is, um, I think it's pretty polite of you to ask if we had clu- concluding thoughts. Oh yeah, there's a lot of times something you want to say that you just can't quite wedge it in there, you right. know, and, and you do it. But um, my concluding thought, no, one, I, I, had, like well, I had an interjection I want to drop in earlier, but I didn't quite get a chance to say it when we were talking about well, by uh, all means interject. How <laughs> you guys thought you guys were going so far when you're going up to that guy's cabin? That was an hour and away. Yeah. Up north. So last weekend, we're telling our kids we're going camping to Lewistown. Or Lewiston. I don't know how you pronounce Lewistown. it. Why Lewistown. Are you dro- why are you dropping like every single Oh yeah, what's the deal with this? Town? Lewistown, New Hampshire, right? <laughs> no, listen. <laughs> you can go camp a gazillion places. <laughs> Lewiston, Idaho. Okay. But you know what I'm saying? Like you can yeah. go camp a million places in this state. They all have names. Um, so we're just going camping. Everybody go camping in Lewiston, okay? But we're telling our kids we're going camping in Lewiston, and my youngest says, uh, 
Is that North America? Yo, yep. Yes, it is. Yeah. Montana, North America. <laughs> uh, I don't think I have. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I got. I got. Like, it doesn't count. I have too many concluding thoughts because um, I feel like we didn't. We didn't get everything. But I, but I would like to say that it's been really um, fun to. It's been fun to watch all the, uh, the all this llama stuff take place over the years. Mm, mm. And, yeah, and, and be involved. It started in it. out. It started out as like a. They started out as instruments, and then they became a like a just part of the family. To yeah, me. and yeah. you've just learned so much. About yeah, it. yeah. I feel yeah. like now still learning. Yeah, but I feel like now, um, you know, I feel like now you've gotten to a point where you're almost like. Uh, probably finding out things about them that people don't know or that Americans don't know. Right. I feel like I've got some insights on, on their, that I couldn't have got from my llama mentors, you know, when yeah, I was and that's an interesting out. thing. Yeah. Like in, in the field of like, like when discussing just the idea of expertise, it's interesting when, when, uh, to see someone cross the threshold mm. where, you you spend a long time accumulating what's known, right? And then you start to delve into yeah, your, and then yeah. you cross this thing, and you and you start being able to say like what you found. Yeah, eventually it becomes like like an interaction between the way your brain works and I guess in this case the animal you're dealing with, yeah. you know, which is unique to you. You know, it's not something that can be taught anymore at that point. Exactly. Um. In talking to Kevin Murphy, uh, I, I know it's like I know that he has found out things like he knows things about squirrels and squirrel dogs that are not known by other individuals. <laughs> right. And I become friendly with a guy named Tommy Eidson in in Seattle. We started out as email and text buddies, but we met recently. And like his, it, 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 he likes to fish crappies, even though he's from the Pacific Northwest, born and raised. Likes to fish crappies, and um, talking to him about crappies, you're like. That he's crossed that threshold. Mm -hmm. Mm. He knows stuff about crappies that other guys yeah. don't know. Yeah. Like he's found out stuff. Right. And then he could be the kind of jackass who thinks he knows stuff about the other people don't know, but he don't, which is insufferable. Yeah. I don't think there's any motivation for me like that with me and my llamas. I'm not trying to prove anything to anybody. I'm never even around other llama people. You, you, I but, just want my llamas to be happy and well cared for. That's all. But I you care use about. the term the llama community. Yeah, but I'm and just, you talked about being ostracized. Not that you were, but that it would be. Possible we too used to, to talk about because I've had a few that I had to get rid of because they didn't work out about out as pack llamas, and I had a lot of anxiety that they'd be hard to get rid of. That turned out to not be true. You'd be ostracized by but the llama community. That I was like, man, I'm going to have to butcher this thing and put it in my freezer, which would be heresy in the llama community to eat one yeah. did i tell you that i ate llama yes you did yeah stringy as i recall it was just like in a it was in a it was in an andean it was outside of salta argentina and it was in like an andean version of a i'm spacing the name what's that dish uh you know people associate with like mexican food it comes wrapped in the corn husk Oh, tamale, oh, tamale. tamale yeah. It was in like Which a. Which are good, man. Yeah, oh, very good. It was in a sort of 
Andean, uh, a tamale with kind of an Andean spin, I guess. Mm. And there was llama meat in there. And I mean, it could have been a person's meat in there. You wouldn't have known it. Mm. You know I mean, just right. I'm yeah. being stringy and light. There's a not like offensive. A, a regional chain in town. There's a uh, a restaurant's part of a regional chain chain in in town in Miles City here called the Ribbon Chop House. And I remember. And once in a while, they'll have something out of the ordinary. I had uh, alligator there a few years ago, but I know for a while they had llama on the menu really? for a couple of weeks. Yeah. I ate some horse once. I'd like to try that. Everybody says that's delicious. Yeah. All right. Yanni, any last little, did you pick up any last little concluders? No. No. Matt, you good? I'm good. Thanks for joining us, man. This has been a great uh, discussion, and I would like to um, resume. Yeah, we should definitely continue. In the, in the, in the near future. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. Yeah, Steve, they're very comfortable, they're very fashionable, and I enjoy wearing mine around the office and anywhere I go. Stop by your local Tacova's store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.